What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of The Styles Files with your host, as always, I am Alan Styles. Very special episode today. Kind of wanted to break the news to all the listeners. If you checked out my episode from a couple of weeks ago, might have even been a month ago now. Time has been flying. I had sports director from Cron4 News, Jason Dumas, on the show. It was a great interview. Uh, me and Jason vibe pretty well, and we spoke after the show, and we decided that he's going to be a friend of the show. He's going to come on, do segments. We're going to talk about, you know, last time we talked about his his thought or his start and um, kind of where he is now. But we know he has a lot of information. You can't be a sports director without information on sports. So we want to get his takes. We want to go back and forth and, you know, talk about everything that's going on. So. For our first special segment episode, we had a lot planned as far as the NBA playoffs to talk about, um, you know, what what's going on there. But as you may have heard, things have taken a turn in that regard. Um, NBA will be starting up soon, but you know, with everything that went on with the boycotts and uh, or the strikes, however you want to call it or whatever is technically correct, we felt that it was best to speak on that for today. Um, and I think that, you know, we both will have really good perspectives on it. And Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, you know, working with me to organize this. I'm very excited to kind of take the show in this direction and have somebody like you uh, be an advocate for it and kind of just spread the good word. Of course, man. I'm looking forward, uh, you know, to exciting times to come on the Styles Files. So, you know, I'm enjoying it. There you go. There you go. Um, okay, so let's let's get started, man. I, I just want to get your initial thoughts. We talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, off off the record, but you're sitting there doing your normal routine, right? As far as your your typical day is concerned, and it breaks. The Bucks might not play. Then it turns into the Bucks aren't playing. What went through your mind? What kind of happened for you in that moment well initially I think I was caught off guard and surprised just like most people I mean even the Orlando Magic their opponent didn't know yeah. that what happened the the management and the coaching staff didn't realize it was going to happen and coincidentally I was at work at a time where I normally wouldn't be at work I I started my day early. I'm the only one right now in the sports department because we're in the middle of, you know, transitioning a, a, a new sports anchor in who hasn't started yet. And we have another one, uh, one of my colleagues who's on maternity leave. So we've been short staffed and I was like, I'm going to have a long day today. I have a shoot early in the morning in Hayward. Uh, after the shoot, I was like, I'm going to just go straight to the station and, and start editing it because I, I want to run this story tonight on, mm -hmm. on the news. Uh, so I'm back at the station around noon. A typical day, I wouldn't get into around three. So I'm at the station getting ready to edit this piece, which is going to be a real nice, powerful, feel-good piece. And it was something I really needed because social media and just the news had really drained me over the couple of days, mm -hmm. the last few days, just because of how heavy everything is has been. And, you know seeing people like me continually being marginalized and people who don't look like me continually making excuses for it right. and not acknowledging it. It just it's been weighing heavy on me. So after I shot this really cool package that, you know, 
you know, I'll put out there when the time is appropriate, the news starts breaking. I start getting alerts on my phone, looking on Twitter. Then my, my colleagues start asking me to work like, Hey, this story is breaking. And of course I put my work hat on and went to work because this is something that we've never seen before. Right. It was a historic day in sports history. I'm a journalist. So of course I just got into journalist mode. Yeah. It wasn't really until the end of the day that I really just sat back and thought about everything that went on. But to answer your simple question, I was surprised, man. I was taken aback, but it was a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And I say we, like I'm in the bubble on the trenches, but I was fully supportive because at some point something has to give. Mm -hmm. And these athletes are starting to realize just how much power they have. They're mm -hmm. not just entertainers meant yeah. to entertain people. You know, they're human beings too. Yeah. And I think, right. And to your point about the magic, I actually had, I tweeted about the Bucks not showing up and, again the the phrase that we've heard so much this year the situation is fluid so i get on twitter say shout out to the bucks and magic for deciding not to play then i start reading that the magic wanted to play and so then i literally responded to myself and said um fyi hearing that the magic wanted to play the bucks wanted to boycott then eventually like hours later you learn that the Bucks had just kind of decided and the magic did not know. So then I had to respond again to myself and say, actually, the magic didn't know. The Bucks didn't decide until they were at the arena. So the whole thing was just ever changing. And we, we were trying to figure out the situation and it all escalated very quickly as things happened to do in 2020. But I don't think anyone like you say you were surprised that it literally happened but i don't think any of us were actually surprised that it happened if that makes sense simply because there was talk about not even playing in general so for another situation or another tragedy like this to happen while they were in the bubble we knew all eyes were going to be on them and something that was going around twitter yesterday as well was shout out to Kyrie because Kyrie Irving gets this bad rap in the NBA of he's a flat earther. He's, he's, um, you know, he, he's terrible in the locker room, all this stuff, but players respect Kyrie. They respect him a lot, you know, and he talked about not going and people thought he was crazy. The, the nets are out of it. So, you know, that, that's why he's saying these things. And here we are months later, something else happens and People are saying, well, didn't Kyrie say this? And didn't we all just kind of brush him off and say he was crazy as usual? Turns out he wasn't. No, he wasn't at all. And I have to acknowledge that I was I was very critical of Kyrie when he said this. Uh, not his actual idea to, to not play and why he didn't think they should play. I agreed with that. I, I just felt like he, he, was, he, he was all talk and mm -hmm. that you know, his actions never really back up his words, just in general. Uh, and, but this one, he hit the nail right on the head. He was right. And it eventually came to fruition. So you have to give him credit. And, you know, he's a heck of a player. And I think he's a good person too. Sometimes I just think he just talks. He just be talking. Right. And, right, right. and not getting the severity of his words or not following up his words with the proper action. And just the way I heard it was like, 
well, we shouldn't go and we shouldn't do this. And I was just thinking, oh, Kyrie's talking again. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's contradicting things that other leaders in the basketball community like LeBron are, say, are saying. Is he, is he just trying, you know, trying to be difficult? Is he just trying to contradict, you know, LeBron? I, I didn't know and I was questioning it, but I was wrong. You know, I admit when I was wrong, I'm happy to be wrong. And he had the foresight that I didn't. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, and I was right there with you. I mean, I I wasn't nece- I wasn't sitting there saying, yeah, if Kyrie's right, they shouldn't go. It just seemed so random. And it's this thin line between you do, it's a job, right? It's a job, but they have so much leverage, like you talked about. It's not like the average Joe just deciding, I'm not going to go into work today because I don't feel like it. They have so much more power. But even so, it was just, where the situation was like we talked about KD's out right nobody really thought the Nets were going to I think it was fair to be critical of Kyrie in that situation but like you said I think we're all you know happy to be wrong and now I haven't even heard or seen a statement from Kyrie and that that's exactly what he should be doing right now he shouldn't have to say anything because he said enough you know Um, another thing I wanted to kind of address and give a shout out to was I'll, I'll Everything, all the other pieces that kind of fit in and came together and the snowball effect from the NBA. The WNBA does never gets enough love, but they are about that action and they go hard, right? The idea, and I, I'm not sure of the team, but the idea of wearing that shirt with seven gunshot wounds, or I think uh, they said on TV, seven red stains to, to be you know, PC or whatever the case, uh, and kneeling and having that moment of silence. It was special. It was special, you know, uh, because as black women and women, you are the ones that are, you are the ones that are giving birth. You know, these are your children. You know what I mean? Just to, just to flat out say it and to see them, uh, kind of with the George Floyd situation, calling out to his mom. So the connection that they have to this situation is so deep. And you can tell and you can feel it um, every time they speak. You know, they, they were ready for everything yesterday. And uh, I just think that if we have been finally giving them their flowers, give them more. Give them more. Oh, exactly. And you know, black women are at the bottom, unfortunately, the bottom of the totem pole in our society because mm-hmm. they deal with not only racism, they deal with sexism. Right. You know, they have it really tough. And it doesn't matter if you're the 12th woman off the bench or a star player in the WNBA. Like you said, they all go hard. They've done it since the league's inception and they continue to do it. That's why I've always supported that league. Uh, I'm a basketball purist. I just love the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can watch 12-year-olds play basketball. I can watch grown men in the NBA play basketball. You hear the people, all oh, college basketball is so unwatchable. I can watch me any basketball, and WNBA falls in that category. I've always been a huge right. WNBA fan. Uh, I love women's college basketball. Uh, I follow Dawn Saley because she's from Philly. Love Gino Ariema. He's another Philly area guy. So I'm kind of kind of root for UConn a lot because I really like Gino. And uh, so I've been following a lot of these WNBA players since they were college studs. And uh, it's very admirable. It, it really is. And 
Unfortunately, I've never really gotten to uh, live in a city where there's a prominent WNBA team. Uh, I was in Maryland before I came to California, but I wasn't directly in Washington, D.C., so I didn't get to see the Mystics play as much mm-hmm. as I had hoped. I've been watching Elena Deladon since she was in high school. She played AAU basketball for the Philly Bells. Uh, just another – you could see when that, when, that, when that woman, I should say, when she was – 15 years old, you, you could just say, oh, man, this, this, she's next up. Uh, right. So I wish I could take in WNBA action in person more, but I am an ally to that league, and I really love what they're doing. I've been trying to get in touch with some of the, the head honchos in that league for interviews. Uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep trying because, you know, I love what they have to say, and I just, you know, I love hearing them talk basketball too, not just social justice issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I just think, you know, all of this is way overdue and we got to give them, you know, their respect at all times. Uh, Continuing with that snowball, we saw our very own San Francisco Giants uh, decide not to play. I'm not sure if it was, I think it might've been mutual between them. I'm not sure who broke first between, because it was Giants Dodgers, which is always a huge rivalry. Uh, Me personally, I, as soon as I saw that, because I'm in a uh, a fan duel league, and I knew I, I had picked Mookie for that day, and I was like, Mookie's not playing. Like, there's no shot Mookie's playing, even if, like, the game was going on, going on. And what ended up happening, the game didn't go on, and Mookie said, either way, I was not going to play. So, shout out to uh, the Giants and the Dodgers, obviously the Brewers for deciding not to play. And shout out to Dominic Smith. Now, here's a guy, you know, the Mets have had – some down years lately. And I got to be honest, I hadn't heard, I followed baseball. I, I follow baseball almost as closely as you probably follow basketball. And I follow basketball too, but you know, I played baseball. So that's just kind of always been my realm. Hadn't heard of the guy before. Um, and to see him in that press conference yesterday, it felt like I, I knew him almost, you know, the things that he was saying and just how heartfelt everything was. And it's something that basically all people of color have to go through. And, you know, I had friends reach out to me and say that, you know, you never know what's just gonna, what's gonna just click for people and what's going to, you know, just be like that one just helped me to understand. Because when everything happened with George Floyd, I I tried to be very nice. And we talked about, you know, our backgrounds and going to private school, having a decent amount of white friends. And I tried to let, non-white people know that there is something to be said about hey i just don't have that connection now it's not an excuse you should try to get it but there was there is something of like if you grew up and you were just like taken away from everything i likened it to you know i'm not that good if something happens in another in another country or something that just has nothing to do with me in my day-to-day life it's hard for me sometimes to sit there and not that I don't care, but really like, wow, like this is messed up. And sometimes you need those things to kind of flip that switch for you. So for all these athletes that, you know, are continuing to speak up and even the analysts, we had Chris Weber do really well. And he was getting roasted for his, you know, just, people love to roast all analysts, period. But he was, he was the newest one getting roasted. People, exactly. People uh, said, hey, I know we've been tough on Chris Weber. This was this was some real stuff. Kenny, the Jet Smith walking out of TNT yesterday was crazy. 
um, you know, and, and it, it, it was just nice to see all these things and not to be forgotten. And I want to make sure I get to this too. The NHL decided today that they're not going to play games. Um, yeah. And I got to think that it's partly because of Evander Kane, Evander Kane, San Jose Sharks guy, and he was outspoken. They're not doing enough. They're not doing enough. And he's completely right. I mean, we know majority of that league or a lot of that league is Canadian, but it's an American league last time I checked, you know, and if these things are going on, you have to have a pulse on the situation. Um, so it was really nice to even see NHL become a part of the action and um, tennis. It's all over. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, no, for sure. Hearing some of those, these prominent figures share very personal opinions was moving. Uh, Chris Webber almost brought me to tears. Doc Rivers almost brought me to tears. Dominic Smith of the Mets almost brought me to tears. And it's, it's funny, it almost brought me to tears, but they weren't saying anything that I didn't know or hadn't right. heard. It's just right. hearing people verbalize it and, you know, we as black people, especially black people in corporate America, uh, you know, we've kind of just been groomed to, to keep those feelings to ourselves sometimes. And so to hear them talk about that on a national stage and especially hear Chris Wibber say, I'm saying this for all the marginalized people who don't have a voice that we keep telling people to go vote, but they're living down there in underfunded communities in the mm -hmm. trenches and they can vote and they still probably feel like nothing's going to change. Like I'm speaking for them. And I have a lot of people in my family just like that, you mm -hmm. know, come from the bottom of Philadelphia, the slums and have nothing growing up, right. you know, except love and from some family members, but love can't get you a great education. Love can't get you out of certain circumstances that, you know, I even was able to get out of because my, you know, my mother was able to, my mother and father, you know, could afford to, you know, put me in private school and, and put me in environments that I would thrive in. You know, I had people who I grew up with who couldn't do that. They just didn't have that access. So to hear mm -hmm. Chris Weber mention people like that was really moving. And, you know, in terms of what you said about, you know, white people and not people who aren't of color uh, just being ignorant by the exact definition of ignorant, lacking the knowledge to, to really be aware, I think I get where you're coming from because, you know, it's true. It doesn't affect you. It's not going to resonate with you as much. But in 2020, when things are so out in the forefront, being willfully ignorant is also a choice. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe if this was 2000, 2011 or something, they'd get a pass. But with social media, with just camera phones and, you know, the racism being so blatant and out in your face, being ignorant now is a choice. So, right. you know, the people who, who I consider friends, you know, Martin Luther King had a great quote and I've been quoting it. I've been using this quote a lot because I really feel it. He essentially said in a nutshell, I don't want to exactly quote him and get it wrong, but at the end of the day, we're not going to remember, you know, our enemies. We're going to remember the silence of our friends. Mm -hmm. So like if you call me a friend and I feel like you're not doing your part or you're not speaking up enough against racism 
and oppression and things that are happening to my community, I'm never going to look at you the same. We yeah. might, you know, we might get a friendly head nod, small talk, but when it comes down to it, I'm putting you in a category and you'll never get out of that category. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is the the level. I'm not sure. So I, I completely agree with you. And I'm not necessarily saying they needed to see a black guy crying and then like, wow, this is pretty bad. I just think it's like that second layer, right? Like if I see something happen or anybody. Um, that's a strike a nerve. Right, right. Now it's like you need, now you're being allowed, like whatever it is that kind of flips that switch to put you in that person's shoes. That is like the next step. The first step is just being a normal human and saying, wow, that's pretty messed up. The second step is, okay, what if that was my family? And I think that with everybody speaking out, that's happening more. And that's that level that started with George Floyd. And now it's continuing on. It's sad that these things keep happening. At least people are, are, are continuing to, to learn because at, at one point, like think about it, like, you know, think about back uh, and it's terrible. I, and I, I don't know if we talked about it before, but how, um, and I've said this on the show multiple times that, it was a meme or something, but it was a picture and it was a sign. And the sign that the guy was holding basically said, justice for or rest in peace. And he left it blank. And then a quotation and then parentheses, it says, not going to fill in a name because I'll probably need to change it a year from now or something. And it was like five years ago, you know, so from where we were then, and obviously technology has improved and things are more readily available for you to be able to watch. But from where we were then to where we are now, even yesterday marked, I think it was a four year uh, anniversary of when Kaepernick first uh, kneeled down. So to yeah. see where we were then and where we are now, at least we're moving in the right direction, just trying to be optimistic. But obviously, yeah, if you need to see certain things to be like, huh, maybe they shouldn't kill black people that are unarmed, then I don't have anything for you. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. And I think it, the frustrating part is that, you know, all the excuses, you mm -hmm. know, so for this, this latest one, it's, he, he, I've read so many conflicting reports and the cops haven't come out and said anything of substance yet, which is really an issue in itself because it almost feels like they're getting their story straight. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I just the way I've been, brought up in my interaction with law enforcement. I don't really, I'm not really going to trust what they have to say anyway. Uh, but whether he had a knife, whether he was going for a knife, it was still uncalled for. You didn't have to shoot this man seven right. times in his back. I, I shared a video of just a compilation of videos of white people with weapons being aggressive towards cops and not getting shot. Not getting shot. Literally coming at, literally. It, it seems like. Attacking it, cops. It's because, you know, black people are viewed as a threat and then it's justified. And then you talk about his criminal history and he had a, a warrant for sexual assault. He could have had a warrant for triple homicide. It right. doesn't matter because in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. We don't know his situation why he had an open case for sexual assault. It could have been wrong. He could have been lied on. We don't know. That's the whole point. That's why you go to court. It's not for the cop to decide. 
And that's not why he got shot. Yeah. They didn't know that. They didn't even know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's nuts. Like, you don't know what to believe. You hear this and the cops, need it. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If, if the cops can't have composure and figure out how to handle that situation without shooting someone, they shouldn't be a police officer. Just like they tell us to stay composed when we have a gun in our face and do this and do that. It's, it never adds up and it's never the same energy. Never. And I'll tell you this, I will tell you this, if an unarmed white person was getting shot at least once a week, which is the rate when they broke down the numbers that I saw on the news by police officers, it would be an issue. Mm -hmm. the, the society would look at that as an issue, not just the black community looking at it as an issue. But since it's not, they twist their back and come up with every excuse to try to justify it. And it's just so tiring trying to defend and, and say why it's wrong. Well, and then the very, and then a couple days later during the protests, 17 year old rose up with an AR 15 kills two protesters. He's at home, right? He's at home right now. Yeah. Right now. Well, I think he's, I think he's in jail right now, but he was able to go home. So, yeah, he went home. I know I saw he was at home at one point. No, no, Look, he, he lived. He lived. That's he, all we need to know. His mom's going to be able to go visit him in prison. Right. The kid was from Illinois, 17-year-old from Illinois, drove to Wisconsin where the protests and riots were and decided to take it upon himself to protect that land, as he said. So he's a minor. He shouldn't have had a gun. Gun wasn't registered. His mom helped him get it from what I read. And he went and he shot people. He took the law in his own hands. He was able to walk around with a, a semi-automatic weapon. We wouldn't have been able to be out there holding that. A cop would have grabbed us up so quickly. Right. Like, come on. He did. And he was able to leave, drive back to Illinois, and then turn himself in after he murdered someone. And then I heard that basically when it went down, the cops damn near protected him because mm -hmm. the, the protesters were about to give him that work and he pretty much got protected by the cops. I'm like, what world is this? Literally. Yeah, I've read the same thing. And, you know, who knows what's true? It's a lot of he say, she say. Unfortunately, I'm not in the position where I can take uh, a cop's word at bond right now. So. Mm -hmm. Whatever I hear at this point is going to be skeptical anyway, but it's a trend that is blatantly obvious. White people are treated differently than black people uh, by police officers. It's not even a debate at this point. Right. Oh, no, no. And, and I think that to, to our point about, um, you know, not being able to, uh, oh, it's kind of in a different um realm than me right I, I haven't had to experience my i can't uh feel that i haven't had to experience any of that the, the these are the situations now where it's like if you don't understand that or if you're not willing to admit that then we have nothing more to talk about yeah exactly i'm the same way it's you know it's i i ask people a lot when we have these conversations and they're kind of giving me pushback I just say for the people, well, do you believe in systemic racism? And if they say no, 
it's almost like, all right, well, we're never going to agree on anything. Right. Uh, let's go our separate ways. And part of me feels like I should be better about that because, like, there's no progress that way. But at the same time, if you're an adult and you're willfully ignorant, then I don't have time to deal with you. Right. Right. I, and speaking of, you know, we're talking about people that we hope are trying to be allies mm -hmm. uh, to kind of flip it. Uh, as far as people that we know are not allies, uh, especially talking about the 17-year-old, then you have, unfortunately, the non-forever giant, because you know the term forever giant, the non-forever giant, Aubrey Huff, sitting there saying that this guy's a national treasure. Um, I, literally, I, I don't get surprised by much that comes out of that guy's mouth or mostly uh, through his keyboard. Um, but it's just, and then you have people agreeing with him. I don't know if that's considered the, the silent majority. He always talks about the silent majority and things like that. It's scary stuff, man. It, it's scary stuff. And I know, and this is where freedom of speech is like, ugh. Is he, yeah. he's, he's really allowed to just say that, huh? With, with no repercussions. And it's scary, man. It, it's. Well, I think Aubrey, I think the silent majority is scarier than Aubrey, at least I know where he stands. You know right. what I mean? I know he's a vile scumbag racist. Yes. I know it, you know? Um, but that silent majority is scary. And that's when it goes back to that King quote, you know, what disappoints me the most is the silence of my friends because when I don't hear from them, when I don't hear things, you start thinking, do you agree with some of that stuff? Right. You know, are, you, are you on that side? And and that's scary. And I mean, the silent majority is what got Donald Trump elected as president. Yes. You got to think about that. The people who don't really say anything, kind of play both sides of the fence. I, another thing I always say, pick a side. Pick a side. Don't say that you're with the movement, but then agree with Donald Trump and, and, and support him or want to vote for him. Mm -hmm. You know, pick a side. So... That silent majority is what got him in office. That's why everyone was so scared because all the people who opposed Donald Trump were super loud and they kind of, you know, overwhelmed the people who were supporting him. And then all of a sudden, election night, everybody's like, oh my gosh, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, he's going to be the president. So, you know, the silence, the silence speaks volumes and that's what scares me. That's what scares me the most, the, the silent... I want to know where I stand with you. And mm -hmm. at least I'll give Aubrey Huff that. But other than that, I mean, he's just a vile, vile person. He says stuff that is so offensive and, and so hateful that I I wonder, is he doing it to try to get a platform? Does he want to get like a, a anchor job at Fox News? Is he, I mean, does he really believe that? I don't even know. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think the same, but I think the same thing with Tommy Lauren and all, and, um, all of them. And all of them. All of them. I really don't know, you know? That she wanted, that Ann Couture said she wanted that kid as her president. Right. It's like, it. do you really feel that way? Yeah, it's like, who knows, man? Who knows? I, I don't know. And that's the whole, you know, idea. And it's funny, you wouldn't think of this because, like, that. this term is for, like, young and hip people. But the idea of, like, clout, you always think of, like, kids. But it's like, it, like Aubrey Huff, is he a clout chaser? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like it's so funny to me. Not funny, but it's just like because it, it just doesn't make sense. 
No, it doesn't. And then you have Tucker Carlson saying, he said, how shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else was? The thing with Tucker Carlson, he's another guy who is just a vile scumbag, but it's scary because he has the top-rated show on Fox News. Yeah, he has a platform. People watch him and believe him. They watch him. His top writer got fired for saying nigger and the F homophobic slur because uh, under a fake fake name online. His top writer got fired. And right. his, base, his base and his supporters probably don't even know that because they don't, they don't mention that on Fox. No. But it's news. It's, it's news. It happened. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. So it's scary that a guy like him has this platform and people actually take his word as bond. They believe it. He has a base and a supporter. That just shows where we are as a country. Someone who is so obviously racist and hateful has a platform and is backed by a million or a billion, however much Fox News is worth. They're backed by, he's backed by them. Right. And well, and you know, there's some, um, there's some, mostly I'm talking about sports guys, right? Like, a, uh, and I, and I personally don't mind these guys, but when you're talking about like a, a Skip Bayless or Colin Cowherd, people will hate watch them, right? Or hate listen to them. Like, oh my gosh, he's so ridiculous, but they just watch him or watch them or listen to them just because I don't think this is like hate watching. I think this is like true support. Oh, 100% is true support. And, you know, there's one thing about being a Republican in theory isn't bad at all. You know, it's a set of values and beliefs, a political system, but when you have this whole collection of people who are like Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and just hateful and spew this rhetoric and they masquerade around as Republican, it gives the party a bad name. Right, right. If I were, I would be upset if I was Republican, honestly, if you are true to like what it, what you believe it to be. Cause this, those are the same people saying, well, we're not racist. It's like, but you, you out here listening to Tucker and Ann Kohler. So like you said, pick a side. The one thing, um, and we'll get back to close, we'll get back to the NBA. The one thing I wanted to say though, is I completely agree with you on your Aubrey Huff take, because that's what I've always said, especially, you know, I, I, I was in Philly for a couple of years. And I mean, I saw some, some videos with the George, after George Floyd of some uh, Philadelphians that didn't look like they, they like black people that much, but mm-hmm. at least, in California, I've always felt, you know what, say what you want about the Deep South and how racist it is, and it is awful. At least you know where people stand, right? California is thought of as this blue state, which technically it is, but everywhere is not San Francisco. And there's a lot of rural places in California where I don't feel comfortable. I mean, there's a place, uh, I won't name the name of the city, but it's about five minutes from where I am right now. My mom, when I was in high school, said, do not drive there. You know, do not drive there after dark. You know, people think California, you're surfing, it's Hollywood. And the problem is because of that, the racists feel like they're like, all right, well, it's not that chill. Like they might, you know, go and vote and they know their vote for Trump is useless because, um, you know, we are a blue state, but they can't be as out there as, um, you know, some of these states in the South. So then you're intertwined, you're working with, right next to a black person. And I might think it's all good until like you said, or it might even, cause there's levels to racism as well. It might even be like, we're cool. And then when something pops off, 
and like I'm in the group chat and somebody says, dang, that's awful, da 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 da. There's that one person, that mm -hmm. one or two, the one or two people that just got nothing to say. And then when someone brings up something about the Giants later, they back Daddy. in the chat. They back in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's scary, man. And, you know, like you said, before we get back to the, the NBA focus, man, I've, I've lived in Philadelphia, Bismarck, North Dakota, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, Central Connecticut, mm -hmm. uh, Hagerstown, Maryland. So I've seen so many different regions, and it's just – it's so interesting to see the racial dynamics in all these different cities. And some is more out in your face. Some is just pure ignorance and they don't know any better. And then some is just kind of hidden, like you said. So you got to navigate your way through all of it. But I, I've seen it all. I've lived in the dips, deep south. I've lived in the, the Midwest where it's just desolate. You know, I lived here in San Francisco. It's mm -hmm. I, I think it's a blessing that I've seen and experienced so many different, you know, uh, cultures, you know, when it comes to our, our country. Uh, so I feel like I have a unique perspective on all that. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, kind of to, to close here, the one thing that did kind of bug me is the idea that right after uh, going back to the NBA, right after everything happened, I mean, we're not even talking, and I don't know if it was necessarily like in a uh, malicious way or, or mean way, but we're, we're, it's barely an hour after these decisions have been made. Well, what's the plan? What are they going to do for playoffs? You know, they have to have a plan. And that was a lot of, you know, uh, uh, the, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world back with the Colin, and he's, you know, changed, but the, the Colin Kaepernick's, you know, that whole situation when he's like, well, he didn't have a plan and this whole thing. I, I guess you could argue that one more. This one was like, as humans, as people, they felt that they didn't want, they were taking basically a personal day <laughs> and they were using their platform to do that. And the first thing out of everyone's mouth is, well, what's going to happen next? Da, 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 da. You pay Adam Silver to figure this stuff out. In this moment, on this day, we're worried about making sure you guys don't get that escape and you don't get us to entertain you while someone that looks just like us, you know, is in the hospital. You know, you're not, we're not gonna allow that to happen. And the first thought out of everybody's mind is like, well, what, what are they gonna do? What, like, what, what's the plan here? They can't just arbitrarily do this. Like, yeah, they can, and they did. And guess what? You're gonna get your basketball on Saturday. So shut the hell up. Right, no, exactly. Like, you know, it's crazy, all these talking heads, they hopped on TV, and I'll read the exact tweet I had. I said, I have a question for all the talking heads, asking what's the players' plans? What are they gonna do next? Exactly what you just said. Systemic racism has been woven into our society by the oppressor. Why does the people who are being oppressed have to always find the solutions? That's not how it should work. Mm -hmm. you no, know? guess what, we're not playing. Y'all figure it out. We'll play again when we see fit. But in the meantime, you guys figure it out. You know, it shouldn't. Now, I get the sense where, you know, on a basic level, they should have wants and demands and know that. Right. But it's not up to black people to fix racism. Right. It's not. And people always like, people don't know the true definition of racism. They think prejudice and racism are the same thing. So, like, maybe a black person doesn't like a white person racism 
is a power thing. Black people don't have that power. It's a systemic, systemic issue. Fixing that is not on us. It's right. not. We can't fix something when we're the ones being oppressed. Right. It, yeah. My like having a couple uncles, right, that don't like white people, that's not gonna affect anybody like talking to a white person. That's not gonna affect your life. Cause none of my uncles are in like these positions of power um and, and can hold you down. If your uncle, who because of systemic racism and sure a little bit of hard work, uh owns a business or owns this or owns that. If he don't like black people, now I can't get a job. Now my dad can't get a job. And now you're mad at me or now, now you're saying we're lazy because we're, we're on food stamps, you know, because we can't do this. We can't do that. And now we're lazy. It, it's it's a cycle, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's just, you know, you hope it gets better in time, which I believe it will, because I believe, you know, there's always going to be racist people. There's, there's always going to be a pocket of our society that is just deplorable. But in general, I'm seeing more and more young people use their voice. You know, I was, I went to several rallies and protests in the Bay Area after George Floyd. And I see kids 14, 15, 16, 17, white, black, Hispanics together. And it gave me hope. Mm -hmm. uh, these young TikTokers, they're going hard. They are. Hard. Look what they did to, uh, Donald Trump's little rally. Yep. He, he thought it sold out. It was just a bunch of 15-year-olds buying up his tickets. They all colluded with each other on TikTok. Right. And I would guess it was mostly young white kids, which, yep. is, which is awesome to see. So I think we have a bright future. I think, I think there's going to be some painful moments as we get there. Mm -hmm. But we're going to get there. You got to hope. You know, you, you, you have to have some semblance of hope or it's going to eat at you. But in, in the meantime, it, it's it's definitely going to be some emotional trauma that we go through, unfortunately, just just seeing everything out there and seeing people's reactions. Uh, but we'll get there. We're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining. You know, um, this is exactly how I thought it would go or probably even better. Um, I promise to the listeners, we are going to talk about sports. Jason is a hoop head, obviously. I'm talking all sports all the time, but we're gonna bring that real. And in these situations, and in a situation like this, we had to bring it. So it's, it's up to you. You can listen if you want, but we're not going to be the people that decide to, to avoid these situations because it's doing ourselves a disservice, literally, literally. We're black men first and foremost. Always, always. There could never be a sport played again and we'd still be black men in America. So we're gonna speak on these things when we need to and as long as we have a platform. So thank you everybody for listening. Jason, thank you again. We're gonna do this very soon, obviously. Um, and until next time, be safe, be well, be wise, peace.